brother Wayne Elizabeth passed straight up in the COVID. Um, and she's, you know, she's sickly anyway, but uh, she runs a real high fever when she gets sick. It's been like 104, 104.7 all weekend. So y'all look for her. Give us an update on Brother Michael. Yes. He's he's uh, coming for preaching. He's better, but he's still just real weak. Uh, yeah, just have, has no energy. Uh, he's better. He's doing pretty good though. He had flu and strep. Anyone else? Well, let's uh, let's go Lord in prayer, and I think this would be a great time to just start. Oh, yeah, yes. let's, let's remember um, Pastor Luther Parson. When he passed away, his family. Oh, oh. I just want to call him. Yes. No, uh, Junior Hill. <laughs> Junior Hill. Junior Hill. Pastor. Yeah, Junior Hill. Pastor. He's been real bad for a while. Oh. Um, he really been bedridden a while, but he did. He passed away. We didn't. We didn't know it until. A lot of you may not know uh, Junior. He was a he was evangelist and uh, a well known. Uh, <coughs> shoot, I guess you'd say the United States. Uh, he is uh, he was called to evangelism and uh, anyhow, me and Vanessa got got to know him pretty well in Hartsville and uh, he he kind of reminded me a whole lot of Billy Graham just the way he preached and. Uh, he was, a, he was a very, very godly man. But he helped me with them and their family. All right, I think this would be a good time just to, just, let's just all just can come to the altar. And I think it's going to be great to, just to wait just to start a year off and we need to pray for our church year and as we're going to a new year and, and there's just so many things to pray for and we all have someone we can lift up and, and you know, an unspoken Prayers, but let's just come to the altar and just pray for these. Brother Greg, can I come with you to Gracious and mother Father, I have the love and bowing here today before you. Asking you First of all, lift up the membership of this church. Asking for him to hand the love of God. Please allow us to honor the people in your house to help them in any as for God, they're always in this church, the membership allow us to receive the strength that we need to be in your Lord, the deacon of God, the deacon of God, the deacon of God, the Lord, and get rid of the darkness, dear God. There's a mission here, and we're here to serve you as we continue lead God's grace to this service. Most of all, God, God bless our pastor. God bless all the church. Those twelve instruments, God, Sunday school, Lord. Your Lord, as we start this new year, we pray that the blessings that you bestowed upon us in the past are honored, that we know and understand the blessings that you bestowed bestow upon us in this coming year that uh, they first of all glorify you and the service we provide for you dear Lord. We're grateful for the service that uh, we're able to provide but most of all to glorify you dear Lord. Yes. Yeah. Please allow us to continue to serve you yes. in the way that most of all glorifies you dear Lord. There's many that know and understand you that cannot be here today, cannot even attend at all, but we ask that you uh, give them a touch of knowledge and understanding and peace yes. that uh, we know that you only you can give it. Yes. There's so many that uh, we know that need to know you, dear Lord, we ask that uh, 
that we're the beacons that show them the light, yes. that give them the hope, to know and understand that the glory that you give that each and every one of us. Dear Lord, it's for your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll go ahead and take our classes. So, Brother Roger, did you come prepared? No, sir. Lisa, was that a yes? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to confuse anybody by expanding on that. <laughs> well, you did a good job last Sunday, and I'd be glad you go ahead today. Uh, the uh, yesterday morning, Pam and I uh, left at five. Left our house at five a.m. And we drove to Gainesville, Georgia, and carried a load of furniture and stuff uh, because uh, Mark and uh, Joy's uh, adopted son, we call adopted son Herbie from Togo, Africa, has got finished college and has uh, rented his first apartment and is going to move in next Saturday. And so we carried much stuff over there. And I, it might have been, it, it might seem like junk to anybody else. It, it's the same. But then Pam and I was talking about it, and we thought, if we had had this stuff when we started out, we'd have thought we really it's had treasures. it. treasures. It's been treasures. It's been treasures. And uh, he was so grateful. And um, then we didn't get back to Gadsden until about 5 o'clock. And then we um, messed around over there a little bit. But while we was there, I didn't tell Pam, but while we was there uh, in Gadsden, I heard my phone tinkle, and I looked at it, and it was Brother Michael, and he said, you better be ready to teach the lesson. And I thought, there's no way I can be ready to teach the lesson. But, um, but if I had been studying earlier in the week, like I should have been, maybe I'd have been better prepared. But... We're going to go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. And I was very sad to hear uh, this. I didn't know when Brother uh, uh, Wayne and Vanessa was uh, mentioning that um, Brother Junior Hill had passed away. I was so sad to hear that. Uh, there's a couple things that I remember about Brother Junior. And if you if you never had the privilege to hear Brother Junior preach, just go on YouTube and just search uh, Junior Hill. You get to hear him preach. He preached a message one time that's going to touch on something that I'm going to say here today. Uh, and he preached a message that I won't ever forget that almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And I know uh, many preachers have preached that sermon, but I won't ever forget that. And um, one time he came to Hayden and helped us in revival, and he stayed at that time. He was really in his prime, and he uh, so he spent a lot of time in hotel rooms across the United States, and uh, and he said something I that I have never forgotten uh, because he he was a married family man that had to spend a lot of time away from home. So he said, you know, when I uh, check into my hotel room and I unpack my suitcase, the first thing I do is take an 8 by 10 picture of my wife and I carry it and I set it down by the TV or on top of the TV if there's room because I'm away from home a lot and I don't ever want to forget uh, that I have someone that's home that's praying for me and that I have made a vow to be true to. And I, I just thought, I just thought, wow, that's that's a great reminder, but I'll never forget that. But he he come and preached in revival for us once and he said uh, he said, We're not everybody's not gonna be saved this week. Uh, 
but we want everybody that, to be saved that can be, and we're going to reach for everybody. He said it, it's, uh, he said one time there's a lady, she was just off the shore in a boat and tipped over and fell out in the water, and the man immediately dashed in from the bank and swam out and grabbed her by the leg and swam back and did not realize that she had a prosthetic leg till he got back to the bank. <laughs> and so he said, well, she's still out there. So he, he went back and grabbed her by the hair of the head and swam back and realized he just had a wig. And he called out for help, said, help, somebody will save all this woman that we can. <laughs> and and uh, uh, he, uh, I just, you know, I, I didn't know he passed away and I just began to think of little things that he had said. And uh, so we, he, he wanted us to, that week to be reaching and for all the people that we could. So uh, we, we really miss uh, Brother Michael and I can't take his place. He's such a wonderful Bible teacher and comes so well prepared each week and uh, we just think so much of him and so sorry that he has continued um, to be sick for so long, and, but it's just an epidemic almost across our area and country of people uh, being sick. We just want to be careful and keep them in prayer. And um, You know, um, so much of our life depends on our own personal perspective. Um, I, I thought this morning... Uh, uh, when I went over to see Mother back a few months ago, there was a, a gentleman that um, had to check in over there. His name is Mr. Gerald King. And Mr. King, my <coughs> wife, Elmina, worked for us at the courthouse for years and years and years, and he's just such a uh, wonderful um, gentleman, and he is there in the nursing home in a wheelchair and he's able to propel himself around a little bit by shuffling his feet. You know, he can't walk and he really can't, but he uses his feet. And um, so, uh, as I spoke to him this morning, um, a as I do a lot of visits there, I'll say, Mr. King, how are you doing? He said, well, I'm a lot better now that I've seen you. And I think, well, uh, how that makes me feel good, you know. And so I feel a lot better today now that I've seen you, and especially seen you now. It's so wonderful to see you here today. Um, I, um, I may have told this story before, and again about perspective. My dad's older sister, um, was really about old enough to be his mother. Her name was Eloise, and she raised six children and kind of had a hard go. Her husband had lost his leg in World War II and um, rendered him unable to do a lot of things, so she just had to be a hard worker all her life. But she always made my day, and she would often tell you, you know, life's what you make it. And Daddy's um, aunt, Anna Shadrick uh, was probably one of the poorest little widow ladies that I had ever known when I was growing up and she lived in a little mobile home but it was real little. It, people's uh, uh, got campers as bigger than it was and uh, so she had to go to the nursing home and Diversa Care just had opened up in Aniana. It was all new. And when she had to be moved in there, um, Daddy come down the hall and Anna saw him coming and she recognized him. She said, oh Frank, did you ever think I'd have had all of this? <laughs> so um, so I, I always want to be reminded to be a thankful heart. Yes. And, and, and I appreciated the, what Vanessa said in her prayer beginning today because she said, uh, she expressed how much we need the Lord, and we need the Lord, don't we? Uh, sure. 
I need thee every hour. I need thee. Russell, Lord. Um, and I need the Lord. And you know, that's one of the things that's so hard for us as human beings sometimes to get a hold of and admit to our need and dependence on the Lord. Because it's our nature, or let me speak for myself, it's my nature to try to do it all myself if I can. And uh, Brother Ralph Smith was a pastor that I served with one time, and, and uh, he was encouraging us to, you know, pray as Brother Steve does on the front end, I think. And uh, one lady was coming out the back door one uh, Sunday and mentioned how much she needed prayer, and he said, oh, has it come to that? Well, well, you know, sometimes I think it's through the even these little bouts of sicknesses or things that we face, it really draws us close to the Lord. It, it, we realize our dependence sure. on Him. And what do we, uh, the great writer C.S. Lewis once said, in the hour of death and judgment, what else do we have except our dependence? on God and that's uh so we, we need the Lord and I appreciated that what she said in her prayer. So we we're continuing on in the book of Romans and uh, I think I'm not sure we quite got finished with chapter ten, Roger. I, I, I think we I think we pretty well covered everything that we were missing there last Sunday. We kinda of hit the last couple of verses right at the end pretty quick. Okay. All right, so, so Romans. Uh, we know that Paul was the writer of Romans. He was writing to the church at Rome. And what, up till now, uh, starting from Romans 1 to where we are now, uh, what, would, what would your, how would you summarize Romans up to now? What has been the main theme of the book of Romans to now? To me, and, and I think we get in some more practical applications of life as we get on toward the 12th, toward the end of the book, but to me, the theme of Romans has been salvation by faith. Because just as uh, Romans is not the first book that Paul wrote, it was much it's later on in his writings, but but it was a it's a very similar uh, problem. And that's writing to the Christians at Rome, uh, and it's really that uh, that same problem that we face in our world today, and that is that conflict and contention we have between believers and non-believers, because you had the uh, Jewish people, which the Roman this book of Romans really focuses on. Um, that did not embrace the coming of Jesus. And they still haven't embraced it, have they? Still haven't. So the whole theme of this, we deal with all these issues and that struggle between the law and grace and believing and not believing. But to me, the whole, whole matter boils down to that uh, salvation by faith. And so... Um, so we, we learned, to me, one of the things that stood out to me is that we have learned coming through here that a Jewish person has got to be saved the same way a Gentile person has to be saved. And that kind of where we are. Uh, and then earlier in the, in, the, in the book, we learned what a, a Jew was. For uh, chapter 2, verse 28, tells us, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is an outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart 
in the Spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men. So we, um, that's one of my takeaways, that everybody's got to be saved the same way. Sure. And that's through faith. And so that's the same between Jews and Gentiles. It's the same between uh, uh, Americans and Canadians and Mexicans or blacks or whites or Asians or whatever they are. Salvation is free to all and it comes in the same way. So, uh, so uh, in uh, chapter 10 that we just finished, I don't have this mark, but look, look there at chapter 10. Um, I think it's verse 9. So we find out how that we're saved. And to me, this comes back and it kind of settles for me uh, the hard time that I have sometimes uh, harmonizing uh, the doctrines taught here of uh, salvation by grace and that of uh, election and predestination that we've touched on and, and studied some. And um, if you have a hard time harmonizing that anyway in your own mind, uh, or if you're confused about, as I am, about a lot of the uh, things that are going on in the world today and the conflicts, um, then we, we, uh, we, we come back and we settle our mind on all that knowing that the Scripture is true, that God is true. And I have to, I have to come to the conclusion and come back to the, to the Bible and remind myself that God's ways is higher than my ways. And I may not understand every little thing that I would like to understand, and I probably won't. But uh, if somebody turn in their Bible to Isaiah. If, Pam, uh, Goss, would you do this? Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. I jotted this down as I thought about uh, these um, problems and conflicts and the fact that, uh, that salvation is by faith and that if we have a problem or so we find something to stumbling block. Would you read those verses for us? Yes, sir. Uh, 55, 8, and 9, and 9. Yes. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when I embrace that scripture, that puts me completely at ease with anything I might not understand. Sure. Because I, my, my thinking is nowhere on the plane of God's thinking. And so I put it completely, put it easy to that. Someone else, if you would look up 1 Timothy. Pam Green, would you do this? Or if anybody that might find it first, 1 Timothy 3 and 16. I got it. You got it? Okay, first, Pat, read that. Verse 3, 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up to glory. Amen. So great is the mystery of godliness, and those things are a mystery that we went over to us in our natural mind. But we can, uh, we, we can embrace uh, that, and we don't have to. You know, I can enjoy eating a, a good steak dinner. Uh, but I couldn't explain to you how my body digests that food, how it, all the science behind that. It don't keep me from enjoying it, though. And so, uh, so the things of God, we don't have to understand every little thing uh, completely to, uh, to, to be blessed and enjoy what God has for us. Uh, and in our own uh, chapter today, uh, verse uh, chapter 11 of Romans, uh, we'll get to this probably in two or three weeks down the road, but uh, verse 34 
says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord? That's the question. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him that it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Praise his name. So, um, so we, we come to the end of chapter 10. And that last verse that Brother Roger mentioned, um, let's read it. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands into a disobedient and gainsaying people. That's kind of where we got to the conclusion. But what I started to say while ago, and I got a little sidetracked from it, um, uh, that when we look back at chapter 10, verse 9, we really see how everyone is saved. Um, and that is, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, just going to be the same for everybody. The same for everybody. Brother Chris, that's a good point. The point, I don't know if, if everybody saw it the way I did, but grace, grace is for everybody. That's right. That makes it grace. That's right. There's no merit in it. Scripture here would tell us there's no, no, nothing what we could do could earn it. But there was a preacher one time that says, I preach salvation by election of God, and I never fail to see conversions. And boy, the day I read that, I just, I just almost cried. And the Lord tore me up on the inside. Because I realized, and the Lord showed me through the Spirit, what that preacher was saying. He was saying, if I tell a congregation of people that uh, they are chosen, if they get saved, they are chosen of God, and it's got nothing to do with their faith, nothing to do with their belief, nothing to do with their trusting, they're going to want to be special enough to be in that number, and they're going to move. And that's and and that is man putting faith away, putting grace away, and saying, "I am special, and I'm going to be in that number. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be one of those elect." Yeah. And and, and that's yeah. what I saw in that man. And and the devil, you know, that's 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 like saying, "Thou shalt not surely die." That's exactly what that's sure. saying, in a nutshell. But in the first few verses of this uh, 11th chapter, carrying over from the 10th chapter, like Brother Roger said there, talking about against not all of Israel was gainsaying. Not all of Israel, not all of the Jews were disobedient. There was always a remnant of God. That's right. Through His election of grace, which is to everybody, Believed. There's always some believers. God don't throw out a reel and rod and come back in. He don't cast out a net and it come back in. And that's the point that, that's right. that, that the writer's trying to make now. Is if we want to say <coughs> salvation is of election, that's just saying we're good enough. We ain't. And if we say that election of grace means a whosoever will the way God planned it, then that's the way it's that's the way it was pinned down. That's the way Isaiah saw it. Mm -hmm. or that's the way the prophets, sure. all the prophets saw it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the way the law from the very beginning showed a type and a shadow of it. Everyone in the family of God, everyone by the G by nation, then their servants, the stranger that is within their gates, and, and anybody that they have in their house under their servitude or just visiting was able to be saved or was able to have the promises of God. Sure. And so that's when you started about talking about the part we don't know, I'm simple. A lot of times I don't have to get so deep into something to understand it. Like you said, Brother Chris, the Word of God says it. I believe it. That's right. And, and so, 
When it's talking about the election of God, it's talking about the election of grace. And when they get on down into the, like maybe around the seventh verse and on down in there, when it talks about them being blinded, it's those that didn't believe, those that didn't accept God on the plan that He had. Their hearts were hardened and their eyes were closed to where they couldn't see the grace of God because they rejected it. And that is also the election of grace or the disobedience. And that, that, was, brother, I mean, that was the gainsaying people. Yes. It was an active uh, uh, opposition to declare something untrue. There you go, Shrub. And, and, you know, that was those people. Um, but sometimes I'm thankful, Brother Chris, that I don't understand something. <laughs> <laughs> I am thankful. Like me. Because without me, mis uh, without me not understanding something, I wouldn't have very much faith, would I? No. And I believe it, but I don't understand it. I'm like you in that stake. I, I, I like it, but I don't understand the process, but I believe it. And, and, and sometimes in the Bible, when I read something, and, I, and my little mind just can't figure out the process of what's going on there, I just say, well, thank you, Lord, for faith. I, I don't know the process there, but I believe it. And... And one of these days we'll get behind we'll get out from behind that dark glass, Brother Bobby. That's right. That we're seeing through we we'll see through a glass darkly now. Uh, and and but then one of these days we're gonna get out from behind that glass and we're gonna see it face to face and clearly. That's right. And it and it, it's a very liberating in your own personal life, uh, Christian life. It's a very liberating place to, to get to to uh, to be able to embrace the fact that I don't have a problem if I have a, a something I don't exactly understand. I, my faith and trust is totally and completely in the God. And that's just that's a great place to be. And so um, uh, let, let's talk about uh, verse one. And I don't think we're going to get past verse one because uh, somebody have to watch the clock. Now I don't have a watch, and somebody. Come around the bell when it's time, okay? But um, but so so uh, Jesus came to his own and his own received him as a nation, um, and we've touched on that. And so verse one says, "I say then, hath God cast away his people?" And the answer to that is, God forbid, no, he has not. And the proof of that was in the uh, in Paul himself. For he said, For I am, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. And Paul was a believer. So just as Brother, uh, Brother Bobby has said just a moment ago, and this is where I want to camp out and just finish the rest of what I want to say in this lesson today, is that, that we, we learn so much from the scripture and the uh, the what has happened in the lives of others, I'd like for you to turn back to Acts chapter nine. And uh, I'm short on words this morning, and nothing speaks more clear to us than the scripture itself. So uh, I'd like for you, if you would, to look with me to Acts chapter nine, and I'm going to try to share what I feel like um, that I want you to get out of the lesson today. <coughs> Chapter 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them down unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, who thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? 
And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did eat or drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayed, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias, coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And there he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call upon thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into his house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus hath appeared unto thee in the way, and thou camest and sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight, forthwith arose and was baptized. And we, I'd like to go ahead and read this entire chapter, and I think we'd get a little short on time here. But this is that account. Uh, well, good morning, Brother Charlie. Rhonda, good to see you. This is that account that we know so well of Saul on the road to Damascus. And uh, I hope I'll be able to, to bring this kind of back together to what I wanted to say in the uh, uh, first verse of the book of Romans, uh, chapter 11, when uh, the question is asked, has God cast away his people? And the answer was, God forbid, no. Uh, and he used himself as an example. And this is that conversion experience of Paul. Now let's turn over to Acts 26 for a moment. Acts chapter 26. And, uh, and here Paul refers back to King Agrippa and Festus what had happened to him on the road to Damascus. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion I have lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing terrible, incredible to you that God raised the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ, persecuting the church, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison. And it goes on and goes on, and it tells on 12, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests at midday, O king, I saw a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me and when they uh, when we were all fallen to the earth I heard a voice saying to me uh, in the Hebrew tongue Saul Saul why persecutest thou me it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks and he goes on and he recounts his 
experience on the road to Damascus. And this is, this is what I want to say uh, as in, my, uh, in a very weak way uh, of what I want you to get from the lesson today uh, as we go back to Romans chapter 11. And that is that uh, in your life and in your life experience, uh, there is no one that can uh, uh, take issue with you your own experience. Amen. And that, that's what I want to be the takeaway of this today because he, Paul says, I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, the tribe of Benjamin. So, so has God cast away his people? No, he most certainly has not. And he's an example. And so he goes back here and we see in Acts where he uh, had his experience with the Lord. And then when it came uh, 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 the fullness of time that he was uh, to be tried and judged earthly for uh, what had taken place uh, in his life and his ministry, then he came back and had the opportunity to uh, King Agrippa and to Festus to tell them what had happened in his own life. And so what I want you to, uh, to always be confident of and to never be in doubt of in any way is what your experience is. Sure. And I think then when we go back, Brother Bobby, and we try to, to harmonize those things that we might have a question about or somebody might try to confuse you with a different doctrine or try to uh, 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 put forth these points of election and so forth, that all, uh, all we simply have to do, and what nobody can ever argue with, is what is your experience. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important that we have an experience. And uh, I, I have that experience that when I was a nine-year-old boy, that I was sitting on this pew where Brother Bobby was sitting, and the church was configured a little different, and there was a row of pews there. And, uh, and Brother uh, Odell Smith preached in the revival, our summer revival in July. And he uh, expounded upon the Word of God, and he let me know how much that God loved me and what God did for me, and um, that I needed to be aware of that, and be accepting of what God had done and His offer of salvation. And when He gave that invitation, uh, Brother Steve, the, it, the offer just filled up just like that. And I, 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 that confused me a little bit as a little boy. I thought, well, the altar is already full of people. My dad was leading the singing, and I looked around at my dad, and I guess the expression on my face he stopped what he was doing and he said, Son, go if you feel like it. And I went and I tell you, that, that point of surrender uh, was my point of salvation. Amen. That point of surrender. When I left my pew uh, uh, to surrender uh, my life to Jesus Christ, the burden of my heart rolled away. And uh, I told Brother Odell I wanted to be saved. Now, I'm, I'm saying that to get to this. You have an experience of grace somewhere if you've been saved. And, and, and you need to hold on to that and you need to share it at those times that the Lord gives you an opportunity sure. to share it. And I had, uh, uh, I, had a, I had a really, really good friend, a person that's really still a very good personal friend of mine and a professional uh, associate, that, that really tried to do his best and because he thought he was doing the right thing to steer me away one time as a young man from what I had been raised and taught to believe. Now i tell you, he made some progress. Uh, I, I, I got to kind of teetering on that thing a little bit. And then I, I told him one day, I said, um, as we talked, I said that, that there's one big problem why I can never do what you're asking or leading me to try to lead me to do. And he, what, he said, what's that? And I said, because there was a time in my life 
where I saw my need to be saved. And I came forward and uh, give my heart to Jesus. And you can't get me back past that. And I think that's the very thing that, uh, that was happening here and Paul was giving testimony to. God hasn't turned away. Uh, his people, uh, they have turned from him, sure. but they can be saved just like I was saved, and they can be saved today. And thank Lord that there is in our world today uh, a lot of Christian Jews uh, that are uh, Jewish by their natural descent. And so, uh, everyone, salvation is for everyone. And uh, if the Lord leads you today in our service, uh, to share that salvation experience. Amen. Brother Steve will be glad for you too. Well, I will. And we'll all be glad to hear it because that experience that we share with each other uh, and that we, it strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith and we are come to realize that what we uh, experience is not different from what our brothers and sisters have experienced. So uh, salvation is for everyone. It's by grace. Uh, our study of Romans now, the whole thing is that salvation is by faith. Well, Brother Steve, you're going to have a big crowd of folks here to preach to you here in a little bit. We're so glad you're here. Uh, Sunday school is concluded. Let's take just a moment to uh, turn around and shake hands with your neighbor and meet somebody that you don't know, okay? Turn around and shake hands. Introduce yourself to someone you don't know.